0: The Fetal Podcast is brought to you by Fettle.ie. Fettle.ie is an Irish-owned and operated online therapy platform. Our vision is a world where mental health is never an obstacle. Fettle is professional, affordable, convenient and effective. From the comfort of your own home, you can schedule online video counselling sessions with accredited Irish therapists. To date, Fettle has helped over 10,000 people and will provide over 2,000 hours of affordable and professional counselling this January alone. Fettle.ie is therapy on your terms. We are here to support the mental wellness of anyone who is struggling or others who simply want to continue flourishing. Fettle was created so more people can reap the benefits of therapy and have the tools to heal, grow and transform. You can use the code FETTLEPOD, that's F-E-T-T-L-E-P-O-D, to get 20% off any of our services, individual or coupled counselling, our eight-week self-paced online cognitive behavioural therapy course, or our well-being assessment with one of our leading psychologists. Go to FETTLE.ie today to start your healing journey. Hello and welcome to The Fettle Podcast with me, Tony Kelly. I'm going to keep this intro as short and sweet as I possibly can. Uh, This is a very special episode for me. It's a very important episode for me. My guest this week on the podcast is John Kenny, Irish comedy, acting, theatre, everything. Irish legend is what I will say. Um, John... For, for those of you who know him, which is anyone who is Irish listening to this will automatically know him. Uh, and anyone outside of Ireland, listeners outside of Ireland, uh, will, will will know of his work as well. But he um, he's an absolute legend. He um, He's become an important figure in my life the past 12 months. Uh, we worked together on my project, The Hurler, that uh, often gets a mention on this podcast as we work towards the finish line of it, my feature film that's coming out uh, soon. Uh, John was somebody who I grew up watching uh, as a part of Dunbelievables duo, comedy duo with Pat Short. Uh, I watched him in Father Ted and I just, he is a part of Irish Entertainment's Zeitgeist, I will say. Um, John, as I said in the chat, which you'll hear in a couple of minutes, um, was probably the top of my list when I decided to bring back the podcast um albeit under the new name and stuff, when I decided that I was going back to podcasting and back to my podcast, John was really top of the list. Uh, as he was when I was casting The Hurler. I wrote this part of a hurling coach for my character. He plays um almost like a father figure. Um to again to my character Gar Campion. And uh it that that, that film has taken a long, long time for me to get made. I originally wrote the script in 2018 um with a production company based here in Ireland and they they um had asked me to make out some paperwork on a a wish list of who I would like to cast. And I've done that wish list over a a lot of different times with a lot of different companies, including my company, where it eventually got made and the only constant other than myself as Gar Campion obviously was John Kenny as uh, as the Billy Byrne character? Uh, I somehow manifested that into into happening, and um, it's a it's a massively proud achievement for me to be honest with you. And uh, sit being able to sit down with John in his home uh, this week when I recorded this chat with him was a huge honour as well. So look, without any further ado, um, other than this little party your- here. <laughs> Uh, John also was in, um, is, is a big part of Martin McDonagh's uh, The Banshees of Inish Aron, which has just been nominated for nine Academy Awards at the Oscars this year. Uh, John is part of the main cast of that. In this chat, we get into his time starting out as a musician recording in Abbey Road Studios, uh, how he met Pat Short, and, you know, Dunbelievable's impact on Irish society, Father Ted. The Banshees of finished airing. This is just such a hugely interesting chat for me, and I think, I hope, you guys all find it uh, as interesting as well. I'm sure you will. John is an incredible man, an incredible artist, an incredible performer, and an incredible friend as well. So look, again, now this time, without any further ado, as I look down at the recorder and see 333, a sign of good luck, I now bring you my chat with the legendary John Kenny. <laughs> Okay. I'm here in Mr. John Kenny's house with Mr. John Kenny. We're drinking tea and biscuits. Here we are. And something else John is drinking. Glass of wine. Glass of wine. It's that's all good though. That's all good. good it's and he- healthy. No, good and healthy for you. For you. For not me, for me.
1: Yes. yes indeed.
0: Um it's great to be here. It's great to have you on, John. Yes, yeah. Before Thanks, we Tony. before we even properly start, when I when I kind of agreed to bring back the podcast under this new name and stuff, you were at the top of my list. I will say that.
1: All right. Go on then. Go on. Go on.
0: <laughs> and I'm glad I said it to you now, on air, so it's officially in the records. Okay, all right. But that is the, that is the truth. All right. Um, how are you doing?
1: I'm not too bad. Um, I'm good. I suppose I am good. I'm good. Um, what, what month are we in now? Is, are, we, are we okay to say the month? Yeah, is yeah, we relevant? are. It's yeah. relevant, it is. Yeah. Yeah, we're in February now, so yeah, I'm not too bad. I had a bit of a dull winter because I, I, I shouldn't be talking about it. I had a bit of a bug and stuff, but it kinda, it, I had to cancel some gigs, which is something... Performers hate doing. In my life, I don't think I've ever cancelled gigs. Yeah, and I've had to, actually had to cancel gigs. this went because I got a viral thing, infection. Yeah, and it didn't go away. It just kept coming back, and I tried to work with it, but I it just it can end up just smothering me. And after about six doses of antibiotics and six doses
0: of steroids, I said that's enough. I can't keep going, you know. That's right. Yeah, I was up here what, <coughs> two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Two weeks ago and you were saying I'll go in for now dose of antibiotics.
1: Yeah, so I went into the hospital. They, they brought me in for four days and they checked me out and they, they they had a look inside me and see what was going on. So they found a couple of bios, all right, a couple of viruses and stuff. and So we're treating them so we're much better. So now, that's all that out of the way. That's that. So much for that old carry on, huh? Exactly. You're in no. fine fettle now. Outside of that, I am. Yes, great. No um, stopping me at all. So
0: so look. Uh we met I suppose a year ago. Yeah. Which is all it is now if you can believe only yeah. a year ago. Um just as you were kinda of top of the list for the podcast for me, um people are probably sick of me probably going on about it at this stage, but you're in my movie that's coming out, the hurler. Yeah, great. Um and Brilliant. it's yeah, well thank you. Yeah. Uh we hope so. And I suppose like that's that's what I want to start really, is like I like a lot of my listeners or the listeners to this podcast they don't belong to me. Um you know we we grew up watching you. Uh you know. Um so I'd love to know I suppose a little bit more about you. I I I would know you for, as being a comedian my whole life. Yeah. And an actor obviously, but you come from music.
1: Yeah, the beginnings yeah yeah many many years ago before that. I I played with a band called Gimmick that's how I started out. Mm-hmm. And that's how, you know, we were at school, a bunch of guys together here, not far from where we live now, where I'm now mm-hmm. at the moment, in hospital, County Limerick. And and um, we had a band together in school and we, like a lot of kids, I suppose, we just had a a, a dream or a, a dream that we might be able to do or do something or go traveling or maybe just be a band, you know, dream to be a band. And, and we did, we, well, there's only one way to do it and let's do it. So we all left school and we just did it. Right. And we went on the road, you know, and uh, we did it very young, like at 15, and 16 years of age, and we just headed away.
0: Yes, yeah, so I, kn- I knew you were a musician because I do remember a, a sketch you did in the Late Late Show when I was a kid. Yeah. And you were playing a saxophone, I think. Would have no, been, Pat, have Pat been, played, I was playing guitar a and guitar. singing, yeah. But I'm sitting in your music room here now, I'm yeah. looking into your music room, I see a double no. bass, I see a piano, I see guitars, I see banjos. Yeah what what was your what was your instrument are they, are they all your they're instrument?
1: not really I kind of never I, I was I never really I, I sang in the band you know yeah and I hung around musicians I still hang around musicians mm-hmm. I saw you looking at a plaque up there I got from Sharon shannon yeah and uh, that's kind of a chancer I am like i I, I love musicians I, I always kind of le- find myself levitating towards musicians a lot because I, I just love music I've always loved music you know mm-hmm. and um, it always fascinates me I love the idea of sessions I love the idea of Sharing music together with people, singing together with people, not so much singing on your own. I, I love that idea of people just singing as a group, as, you know, nearly in community or something. There's yeah. something very special about that, you know.
0: I can attest to that. I've experienced that with you, <laughs> you know, not to keep drawing it back to it, but yeah. when you were down filming with us. Yeah, I oh. you- <laughs> yeah, yeah, go on. I remember you saying to us, uh you said to me, you know, I know I'm coming down. I think it might have been your last day with mm. us. And you were coming down the night before, obviously, and you said to me, you know, it's only where we get in the old session.
1: Yeah. And I was like,
0: well, I don't know, you know, because in Waterford, where I'm from, when we were filming, you know, there used to be a place called T&H Doolins. Yeah. Got a great trad band in there. And Ailish O'Neill, who was a production designer and costume on on The Hurler, she organized the whole session. She did, yeah. For you on your own. And I was after been watching a a Liverpool match that night. Right. And I arrived in late. And I honestly, listener, I cannot describe to you. We had a 7 or 8 a.m. call time the next day. That's I came right. in at 10 or half 10 and there was an actual full-scale music session going on in Tully's Bar in Waterford. Just organised for and technically kind of by John Kenny. That was a bit yeah. mental, wasn't
1: it? I Sorry for leading everyone astray. It was brilliant, actually. The lads were
0: great. God, there was great
1: musicians there that night.
0: And then you and stayed out late enough.
1: I, yeah, yeah, I did, actually. I did stay out. Back to the hotel then, and there was had more
0: songs back there. Yeah, but no, I, I the reason I'm saying that is <laughs> like I I love that as well. I grew up in a in a family, yeah, where if we got together, the guitar came out, and my uncle, Al, yeah, you know, play. So I love all that. So to to get to do that during the, the making of the film and stuff was just a little bit of an extra something that I wasn't expecting.
1: Maybe all right, I never looked at it like that. Like I thought I was leading everyone astray a small bit, Um but like yeah, it was we could get a bit. But even even without the late nights, I mean. Yeah, the whole idea of um, of a session is great, like, you know. And it's funny, when we were doing the Banshees there last year, of course, uh, there was a lot of musicians on set. Right. And these spontaneous sessions would just ex- would just happen while we're waiting out between scenes. Were they
0: the actors or were they the So Some of the
1: actors, well, Brendan plays fiddle. but you, But, like, you know, they all love music and, and Colin Farrell and everyone on the set, like, you know, they were all in pat and, you know, everyone was... It was like as if, like sure, sure, yeah, we all we all like a session. We all like to hear a song. We all there was of Chanos dancing at two o'clock in the afternoon between sets, and you'd come back in then, and maybe some might be playing a tune on a fiddle or an accordion, and so there was kind of music all around us, you know. Yeah, and it was very unusual for a film set, sure, because but it was the type of thing. There was I, I remember some of the crew kind of looking in, saying, "God, these boys there are the actors or what are they like?" But there was a great love of music. I mean, everyone. Loved music, you know, stuff like that. So yeah. it was part of the whole thing, you know.
0: No, I, do, I think we we maybe might get to talk about that a little bit later on. But like, I'm do- I am am really interested in like someone like yourself, you know, who started out as a musician and was, a, you know, from what you've told me privately, you ended up in London and stuff like that with the band. Is that right? We did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, very. We were young and <laughs> we went to
1: England and um, we had an agency there kind of looking after us. Mm-hmm. It, booking us out like and doing gigs, and sure, you ended up everywhere. From I mean, it was so bizarre, like you could be playing in the Colston Hall in Bristol one night, and then and you could be up in Nottingham in a workman's club the following night, you know. Yeah, and uh, you could be waiting to go on. And I remember the first time we arrived in one of those, I think we were in Mumbles in Wales or something, and somebody told us that we had to share the dressing room with the stripper, you know, <laughs> or strippers, you know, Jesus, coming from Ireland back in the 70s. I'll tell you, that was some hop to get, you know, and um. So it was a bit of an eye opener, but uh, we were very naive. We didn't, we didn't make it or anything like that. But we, we all had an amazing experience, and um, you never fail. I think once you give something a lash, anyway, we gave it a lash, and we can all we got to record in Abbey Road a few times, which was really an amazing experience. I suppose we did we even realize how important that was at the time? Were we even too naive to know? But it, we remember just being in there and just doing the recording sessions and. Stuff like that that happened us, that was uh, a bit, you know, we hadn't made it, but in some ways we had ticked a few boxes, you know, in our own way, you know, and um, yeah, we went off to East Germany before the wall came down and bits of mad pieces like that and did bits of tours in Europe and and uh, I think we did, we get to number 75 in English charts and... And we came home
0: then. But I mean, like, even... <laughs> no, I know. Like, there's a, there's a certain In degree. an old ambulance, by the yeah. way. We
1: went in an old second-hand ambulance that we did up. And uh, we came home as well. So, anyway.
0: But there's a certain degree of, obviously, humility involved there. Because you're saying you didn't make it, but yet you recorded in Abbey Road. You charted in the English charts. The number mm. is kind of irrelevant, you know. Mm. That's, to me, like, you turned your hand to music. I would call that making it, to be okay. honest with you. And, but then, like, what I suppose then... Where is the transition then from from being on the stage playing music to being on the stage acting and and doing comedy? Yeah,
1: I don't know. I think it's probably it happened around, um, I kind of went to see, I met a, a friend of mine who was, um, I got to know this guy. And he was a builder, uh, John McGraw was his name. And John uh, said to me, you know, I think you can act, he said. And I said, well, God, I don't know. I said, I can't even read it. I've never read a play really in my life, you know. And he said, no, no, I think you can. And would you be interested in doing a play? And, of course, I I said, oh, sure, I'll give it a shot. Like, that was me. Like, I'll give it a go, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I did. And I did a play with John. I did a small little play called, a little abbreviation of a classic play called Murder at the Red Barn. And I played this English gentleman. It was a kind of a synopsis and a, a major piece, you know. And, um, and then... He gave me a few more little bits and pieces do. I did a one-act little play with him called Song for Sixpence. And it was by an Irish writer. It was written about the time of the... Um, around the time 1920s, I think, around the time of the War of Independence. And it was around that time it was written. set in West Cork. And I played the part of an English soldier in that. And <coughs> I won... Uh, he, he entered that in competition, he said. And I said, I didn't know what competition or how much amateur drama was. Entered, but sure, I was still playing with the band. I said, I'd do it Anyway. But I won a few awards things at the Acton, you know, mm-hmm. the, at the drama festivals and that. And, and then he asked me to do another one. I did another one with him. And uh, and then we went to the All-Ireland with that one. And I got a Best Actor Award. Wow. And then all of a sudden, within the space of about a year and a half, I had won something like two or three All-Ireland Best Actor Awards. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'd have been at the band for so many years. And i it wasn't the case of being successful or anything. It was just that I was also getting an awful lot of pleasure out of this because... The reading wasn't easy for me because I'm not dyslexic. I still am, like, and yeah. and I hadn't, I wasn't as au fait with reading. Now I'm much more in the habit of reading now because I'm, it's the Phyllis is in the habit of it. But mm-hmm. back then I hardly read at all, um, but very, very little, I suppose. So that kind of changed everything for me. Like it changed nearly my circle of friends as well. Right. And, and I remember then one night going to see a show in the Bell Table in Limerick, and it was a dance show, and I saw that, and I said that blew my mind away completely, and I said. Now, you know what, this is just, I was in awe. I stood in the audience and I was just, love this. It was breathtaking. This was absolutely brutal stuff. And John Regan was a guy who'd come to Limerick um, by and he'd set up a dance school in Tralee and one in Limerick called the Midwestern Ballet Company. And himself and his wife then set up a theatre company called Theatre Omnibus. And with the show that I saw, they were doing a show in conjunction with a Scottish choreographer by the name of Ryston Muldoon and, I didn't know who any of these people were. I just saw this amazing piece of dance, and I started taking ballet classes. I never knew that. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and I did it for three years, four years nearly. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I, I was just really I was enthralled by the whole physical side, and then I got interested in physical theatre. I was
0: going. to... That was was just about to because you got, cause you're, you're very the way you move on stage. Yeah. I was going to say, does the ballet maybe add to that? Well,
1: I think, yeah, the mime and the lads did classical mime and movement. And and I loved physical theatre. I still love European physical theatre. I I love the thing, but when, you know, your body can tell the story too, as much as, you know. So I was, I was in trouble. And then I, you see, by spending time with them through that, then I joined Theatre Omnibus. Right. So they gave me a chance to perform Mm -hmm. with them. And, you know, we went to Edinburgh and we went to America, Lincoln Arts Centre, all over Europe and I I saw great stuff, like, I mean, see the likes of Bill T. Jones for the first time in my life dancing and see Ryston Muldoon's choreography and see this guy who I'd seen in Limerick and suddenly realising that, yes, he was fairly, he was somebody
0: fairly special, all right. like, you know, and... So that
1: that kind of opened up all that.
0: That's that's a brilliant background, though. That's exactly what I'm what I was trying to get at is is that background. Um, so you studied mime as well, all that yeah. We did classical
1: stuff. mime more. We did you know classical comedy dell'arte, which yeah. is kind of a form. It's a very stylized. It's a very very. I mean, it's got there so much to it. I mean, I was only scratching the surface. I'm sure one could, fucking, study this thing forever. You Absolutely,
0: know? but comedy dell'arte like that, like to. To know that that's where you come from, it allows me at least to join the dots of a lot of your character work and a lot of your physicality, whether it be on stage or on screen. So I now know more because I know that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, absolutely I suppose
1: the essence of like a lot of stuff that happened in vaudevillian theater, like in, I mean, going back to the, I mean, The likes of W.C. Fields or maybe even, you know, Danny LaRue as a drag act was an amazing dancer, was a classical dancer. Charlie Chaplin was an amazing acrobat and dancer, you know. So, like, there's a whole tradition where these things, you know, come together and, you know, one might be doing one thing, but by God, you know, as somebody said, like, they have skills in other areas too, like, you know, that... um, but they sit. They sit in the background, mm-hmm. and I suppose to make a mess of something, you have to know how to do it right first, you know. And the, the, the
0: Tommy Cooper school. <laughs> well, thought. it's
1: a bit like that. It's to be the clown, you must. There's some bit of an acrobat in you before you can be a clown, or
0: yeah. Because I know. mean, even Chaplin, like the the stunts he was oh, doing, and, and sure. Buster Keaton, and all that. Kind all of stuff. these
1: people were just incredible. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I guess that's. I was I was looking for an inroad into comedy from that because if you I think if you hear that. You think that's very serious theatre. It's very serious training. But then you you go to mime and you go to Comedia del and you yeah. start kind of getting inroads into comedy there. Yeah. Did you did you look to be a comedian, stand alone, stand up, no. or what? What? How did that it, go? Like
1: once again, Tony, I that fell into that by accident because after my stint with Omnibus, I decided I might go back into doing some straight theatre work, and I had some done some work and and I I went to I moved to Dublin. Thinking that I would, you know, you know, just kind of sign up and maybe I get some parts. Well, I didn't think it was going to happen that quick. I wasn't that naive. But so while I was waiting for things to happen, which were very slow, obviously, and I um, I took out the old guitar which I hadn't done in a while, and Mm -hmm. I started doing a couple of gigs. And I remember one of the first gigs I ever did was in the meeting place to uh, Barry Moore, Christie's brother Luca, and um, I never forget it. I thought I remember forget. If I got a fiver for the gig, I would be happy. Like, right, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. it, the reality. It was the 80s or whenever it was, you know, uh, mid-80s. And i never forget, he handed me half the door takings. Wow. And too many people didn't admit to much. <laughs> I, thank you very much. I'll never forget you for that, bye. And then this guy came in off. He said to me, well, have you ever done any TV? And I said, TV television? Well, I have, I said, like band, band music. Work, yeah. No, no, Comedy. I said, I sure. And then I was about to say I don't do comedy. And I said, better not say that now. Yeah. Well, no, I said, no. Would you be interested? I said, I would, yeah.
0: Okay. And who was that?
1: He was a producer from RT. Okay. And he signed me up to do a series with Davis at Large as a writer and a performer.
0: Wow. Okay. I remember you telling me that. So I just
1: got into that by accident. At Davis at Large. So I said, yeah, I'll do that. Why not? And <laughs> Well, I mean. Sure I hadn't a clue
0: what I was doing Well, enough. I mean, you figured it out. Well, you figured so, out out. You go along like. But so, anyway. like, where, where did you end up meeting Pat?
1: Well, I met Pat down through the years. I, I'd met Pat's brother first, Tom, who was a photographer. Yeah. And Tom was Tom was great. Tom was documenting stuff in Limerick, you see. Documenting the mo- everything, everyday life, ordinary life. And then what we were doing with T.F. Romney, bus we might be doing street theatre. We might be doing dance in the park or something. And mm-hmm. Tom would be there with the camera. And thanks to God he was there. He documented documented a hell of a lot of mm-hmm. my life and of Limerick's life. And it's still that, I, did, I think. So that's how I got to know Pat then was through Tom, his brother. Pat was coming, to, going to go follow in Tom's footsteps and go to our college in Limerick. Okay, So he came anyway to do his foundation year. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's he didn't get beyond the foundation year because he spent too much time hanging around with me. Yeah. <laughs> so I, that 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 finished the college. So, But by this stage, he started doing a, a gig with me a week when I come to Limerick. He'd come up and do a, a couple of tunes with me. Tom asked me, and I said, yeah, but you should tell him come up and we can just do a few tunes together, you know? Yeah. So in the middle of the gig, he'd come up and play a tune. But, like, I would end up taking the piss or having a crack with him, like, you know, and yeah. because he was so shy to him, he said nothing. Really? So he developed this character to just said nothing. Okay. And everyone thought, of, which it was, it was bloody hilarious. Yeah. So before we knew it, we were doing, we were doing a double act. And we didn't even know we were doing another, another accident. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things in life you don't plan, you that's know. Right, yeah. But you got But when you're, when you're there, you got to realise that something is happening. And you're, oh, wow, there's something happening. This is good. Now, we don't know exactly why it's good, but it's working, right? Yeah. So we're doing something that's working. And it just developed. And out of a few songs... There was a few more songs, and then Pat started doing a few more gigs with me, and I might be going to Cork, and he was in college, and I'd say, "Hey, I'm doing the Lacey House. It's a Wednesday night. You wanna come down for the gig? You know, there's a few bobbing it, like you know." Yeah. And that's how our relationship started, and then that grew and grew, and but Pat kind of started out doing sound as well for me. All right. Okay. He wasn't all the time on stage because we didn't have enough sketches together. Right. So, but then even when he was on sound, we had this double acting together, Mm -hmm. where there was this battle going on constantly, deliberately putting. Like, i tell him, you know, to turn up the feedback. So fucking, when I was hoping to get things right, Mm -hmm. a screech would come in or things would go wrong. Yeah. So there was always this confrontation between the two of us. Yeah. So there was a tension between him down on the floor and me on the stage. Mm Mm-hmm which was brilliant for the audience and of then course. I would leave the stage and go down to him and give out to him on the quiet and go back up and people would say are they serious what's happening exactly. here so all this kind of rapport kind of grew out of that you know and even grew out of the situation that we were in until
0: finally the two of us ended up on stage you know all right. the time you know yeah that's great and it's, it's where great comedy comes from I think is conflict you know what I mean yeah. and then something like that people think they're witnessing a happening you know or oh, yeah, a, real, a real event and they're saying like is this for real is the,
1: these guys man this is it's funny, it's hilariously funny, but fuck it, it's chaotic. Or what's going on? Absolutely,
0: here, you know? absolutely. And again, so, for me, then, like growing up in the nineties in in Ireland, yeah, there definitely wasn't a bigger comedy double act than you guys. Like, yeah, well, so we were told that, like, and John, <laughs> come on now, for God's sake, like there, this is. And I'm not only saying this the flatter you, or because I'm here. Like every single person I think I know had your you guys' videos. Yeah, right yeah, so, I know we.
1: We actually got an award from Mimro for for video sales, music yeah. sales, because our video sales were so high. That was I our, mean that was legitimately. I mean, like, oh, it was. It was. And we couldn't believe it ourselves. I mean, I mean, we were in the middle of something, and it's hard to believe that sometimes. Then, when you are in the middle of something, it just takes off, and before you know it, man, you have gone crazy. You, you 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 work, and even I work abroad. Like, if yeah, go abroad, and we were in London and America, and, and people were coming to see us. Like, now we weren't doing the big house, but they were getting into what we were doing. Like this. We'd be out in the street in the middle of Manhattan with a fucking side of bacon, like, and <laughs> stopping traffic, the same as we would at home. Mm-hmm. But maybe we got away because we just had. It was a performance. It, Everything was a performance from yeah. start to finish, like you know. What
0: I what like to, particularly <laughs> the video, so, right? I I have I I think I said that the first time we ever met. I I wore out those tapes. I genuinely did because I was a little kid in Waterford who yeah. who just loved comedy, and yeah. and to see that. Irish comedy existed. Yeah. And was it, you know, maybe one day was it, for, I'm, I, I'm talking now, a little kid. But that the, what I love so much about that st- that the video is, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself about like the history of comedy, mm. American comedy in particular. And they talk about how great stand-ups are and the crowd work. You two put on full shows that was obviously you guys scripted you yeah, well, it, yeah, yeah. but you were so in you made the crowd yeah that was what was so unique about it yeah. that improvisation with the crowd yeah, yeah, yeah. unbelievable john
1: well you see that comes from i mean i would would have been awfully influenced by certain theatre companies and what they were doing was and i suddenly realized as well when you stand on stage it was one of the big things i had in my head that like the audience are too passive we go into theatre and we sit down we we might as well be in a cinema most of the time, you know. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I said we must do something that even if we're we want to go put our show on a theater, but the theater has to be part of the audience. The audience has to be part of the theater. The performance has to be everything, you know. Yeah. And the audience has to be feel it has to be a happening that is not just looking at something. You are part of something. Yeah. That was the whole idea of it.
0: I love um, Andy Kaufman, the American yeah. comedian, and it's it's very much that it's that yeah. style. You're you're playing a character. The audience is there to see the character, yeah. but some you've you've merged the two together as yeah. part of the happening, as yeah. you said. I don't think there's been an Irish comedy performer or duo or anything since or before. It what you guys did was so unique. I think. Yeah.
1: Well, I think it had its own. It was it was honest to maybe the point of view that it was about who we were and what surrounds us, which is like. It's um the word parochial often comes into play and certain things. You can be parochial about politics, but the, the world really, the universe is parochial because when you break everything down, none of us want to be parochial and what we might describe as narrow-minded, but the reality of it is that community and society is, life is parochial, you know? Yeah. Life is about the small person. Uh, the small person, the small thing that happens to somebody here is mirrored in any country in the world with any language, yeah. the same story can happen. You know, the same love story, the same joy, the same fun, the same horror, the same song, maybe in a different language. But the emotions are humanity and our story is the same. So there's a universal a universality about, about certain things and yet at the same time they're parochial because we're the same the world over. I think the world is the same. You know, people often say, they, um, it used to annoy me when, you know, people say, oh, right, do they understand you? In, um and I'd often say, well, you know, there's a small man living in a small town in America as well. Yeah. They don't all live in skyscrapers. Yeah. And we were never the guy who lived in the skyscraper. We were the guy, we were the country guys. Mm-hmm. And that's, what, that's where we took all our inspiration from. Because as I said, let's, let's, let's write about what we know. Let's do about what we know. Yeah. And this is what we're close to. But what we're close to, like the hurling coach is probably the football coach in America. Yeah. He's something else. He's the, he's the soccer coach in Brazil. Yeah. He's the same guy with the same passion. He's Timmy Ryan. He's yeah. mad. He just lives for it. Yeah.
0: He'll
1: die for it. Die for the club. Die for the parish. Die for the club. he die. he just die for it. He die. He's crying even thinking about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He loves it. Yeah. And they're there everywhere. We're just trying to document our story, a part of our story or somebody else's story, We're just mirroring
0: it out. I couldn't under. I I honestly understand so much (coughs) on a completely different level and scale. I started out as a comedian in New York. Yeah, and when I came back here, everyone to this day will still say like, "And do they understand what you're saying over there? Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's it. But to me, that's just their line of thinking. Yes, yeah. yeah. I was in New York. I don't think, and it just it's it's almost a projection of well, if I was so, it couldn't work. So how could you? Yeah, yeah, yes. You know, but I do I do agree. I think life is life, Mm. and language or accents don't really matter no. and also more importantly for this conversation funny is funny do you know what I mean yeah I,
1: yeah it is yeah yeah <laughs> I had
0: a I had a guy who brought me into comedy in New York Stephen Rosenfield and he used to always just say that funny is funny yeah if you say something funny yeah it's funny yeah it, if it's funny it's funny yeah that's yeah. it but you you guys you influenced a generation, if not multiple generations of comedians, right? But what also did that was Father Ted, right? Oh,
1: yeah. Well, sure. That was a
0: And yes, you guys are platted into that fabric as well. Well, thanks
1: be to God. It's nice to get the call, isn't it?
0: I would have thought so. Well, look, you don't ever know.
1: It's just, you'd suddenly realise even when you... It's just it was so lovely just to have been part of some of it. And we were so lucky to be part of some of it. And we had a contribution to it. And... And it's great. And it, once again, like that, it, it's still showing, it's still running, man, it's a masterpiece. And that's it. And there's, it, it is one of these pieces of timeless comedy. Oh, it, it will be there.
0: It, it, it is an absolute yeah. kind of, what would you call it? Like a time capsule or a message in a bottle, yeah. whatever it is. It's just a moment. It's just everything. It is. It is. For me, as a, you know, again, the same time I was watching you guys, I was watching that and then you were in that as well. And I was just, my mind was blown. Yeah. But this is just, I thought it was the funniest, but like what I really love about what you were doing on the show is like you played multiple characters. Yeah. Was that something you knew going in that was going to happen? No, I
1: didn't. I didn't. And even one of them, I kind of got it wrong afterwards. I think the lads had me, I did the cinema owner. Yeah. And his name is Me Hall. <laughs> and I suddenly realized what I should have done was I should have played him. It was a small little cinema, right? Yeah. In you? the middle of nowhere on yeah. the island. Right. So yeah. it's, it's obviously nowhere. Yeah. But when the boys put the name Hall in him I just went away but I think the Hall. it was only afterwards when I'd redone it I said I should have done Mihal Macleamore okay You know McHall was the wind has bundled up the clouds I have knocked no out the thunder and the for all that name. this type of a you know because Macleamore was British of course he was yeah. but he was he, 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 he was galified because he spoke Irish and he himself and he set up the Gate Theatre yeah. and he spoke about you know you know all the great poets Yeats and and I said, That's the character I should have done. And when I'd done it I said, I should have been a bit more you know, instead right. of I was I was a bit different. I I know. I, I did, you know, when you come away from me you go like, but the lads never said anything to me. Like fair play to just let me off like, you know. But uh
0: uh, Man, who like that's that was what I was going to ask is like yeah. how much input did you have in that? Like, was it was it Graham Linhan and Arthur Matthews were directing you? Was it Declan? No, when well,
1: Declan was there, and you know, Declan was after doing a series, a big series, I think for Channel Four before he moved. Look, all that was amazing at the time because Declan had done, I don't know what project Declan had done, but Declan, I remember when Declan when he walked in RT as a young director because I was hanging around. That was the early days when I was hanging around in RT. I think Declan was probably... Probably, I don't know, but... He was in around there or thereabouts when I was up in Dublin yeah. as well. And he was he oh, he directed the Eurovision or something. Right, right. He did something mad. Yeah. But he, he was given the job and he was the youngest director, I think, ever to direct the Eurovision. Right. And he did a right one on it, you know? Yeah. But then he went... And he did some amazing other work as well. Jeez, I can't really remember who he directed and um, was it one of the comedians
0: or whatever, but... But was it like... How much freedom did you have then? Oh, total. total, They just said, this is a character. He owns a cinema. Go and do what you want kind of thing. Pretty much, yeah. And the the Eurovision episode then as well. Same. It's my favorite episode of Adam. Well,
1: sure. Look, I I just went totally over the top with that and the boys said it was the easiest gig I ever had because I didn't have to learn the line but the funny
0: part well, uh, yeah well, well but the funny part of that
1: is well, like, and then it's and then come here there's, there's some of
0: them in politics today in Ireland still yeah but then but then you walk on, but then the joke obviously is he walks on the stage oh and yeah he's and he's just, Mr. yes, yeah. that was on the page oh,
1: of course yeah the boys wanted it he was a total wreck yeah but then when he, when he, he's Mr. Show Business That's in front so of funny. the lights, you know. It's so good. But how many performers are, like, I mean, fairness, I mean, yeah. I'm a little bit, you know, I'll get ready to perform myself and you go on, you, you put your best foot forward,
0: yeah. you know. Was that just a random call? Like, were you and Pat hired together? Was it completely No, sure-
1: separately. Separately, yeah. completely. Yeah, the boys picked us to do different things at different times and. Well, not different times, but, you know, they said, oh, we maybe give this part to pat. But it
0: coincided with you arise because oh, it was yeah. the mid-90s, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was all just tied, tied in grand with things we were doing, you know? Yeah.
0: No, I and just... On, Father Ted, to me, is just like... Honestly, my childhood was, uh, on the on the English side of things, the Fast Show, Harry Enfield. Mm. On the Irish side, Dunbelievables, Father Ted. And on the yeah. American side, it was stuff like Larry Sanders, Gary Shandling. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, so, so I kind of had a mix of everything, but... Definitely in Ireland, it was you guys on both sides of that fence, you know. Right. But father, Ted, but it's just like I don't even know where to even go with that because it's mm. just such a.
1: It's pretty. It's it's. You see, I think it's the right. It's the the mind. The the lads are. They're not your typical writers, you know. They're not. The, you know, didn't you know? Some people sit down and say, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get together with a bunch of writers. We're gonna write a sitcom. It's yeah. gonna be a success." I think it's the t- the Irishness of it. It's taking the madness. I remember I used to do a sketch about like how about the Civil War and about like, you know, the war, we didn't have any world war. We had a, we had an emergency and we had no tea in Ireland. That was fucking, that was the extent of our troubles. Like, yeah. but the whole thing about tea and the ritual about tea and of course you won was that character, but their characters that they are like obsessed with making you tea. Will you have tea? Should we, you'll do, you'll have it black. you have to have it. So, you Whether you like it or not, you're having a cup of tea. Like this is what we know. Yeah. And Graham and... The boys, uh, they saw that, and Arthur. And they said, look, this is what we know. It's just out there. It's a bit... Of of course, it's exaggerated, but... It's part of our mad psyche, because we're mad. You see, I think... There is is an acceptable level of insanity within Irish society that sits under the surface that you rarely get in other... Societies, I uh, definitely I think that, and I think that goes back. I think that we because we're we have been for so long, and not I, I know the Romans never bothered to come back. Well, we had other neighbors that came to bother us. We but did. outside of that, we held on to an awful lot of what we have ourselves, you know. And I think that is a that is um I mean, we're so lucky to have our music and and the language and people who speak the language, and I don't, and I should be ashamed of myself. I love the language. I, I love just listening to people speak it, although I, I can twig some of what they're yeah, saying Yeah, same. Now, but <clears throat> I think that that is part of our richness. Yeah. And I think the fact that it was taken away from us, whatever we have we want to hold on to or we want to identify it or we, we want to document it, I think this is in our psyche as well too because we came so we, be, we came so close mm-hmm. to losing everything. Yeah. And yeah. I think somewhere within us, even within me, although I wasn't around in 1916, or I wasn't around in, you know, 80, 87, or mm-hmm. 1847, or whenever it was, or 70, 89, or any of the dates we pick up in history, that somewhere maybe I learned at the school or is in my set, that we became just so close to becoming another homogenous group of people, mm-hmm. and we're not. No. So we're clinging on by our
0: fingernails to everything that we have, and yeah. we should. There's something within the <laughs> Irish DNA. That feels the history of what's gone on.
1: Yeah, I I think so. I think you're right. I think I, yeah. Yeah,
0: well, I often I often speak about it through different things about international international relations yeah. and our neighbors and stuff like that that we yeah. have to up against. There's something within our what would you call it generational trauma or whatever you want to go into that kind of. But I do, but I do agree with you. There's the Irish psyche. The we 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 preserve what we have and what we've created. Well,
1: you know, I. I remember sitting inside in an office one day in London when we went in and the guy across the desk, he referred to us as a bunch of spud pickers.
0: Yeah. I've, yeah.
1: Now to our face. Yeah, yeah. I was quite young at the time. Mm-hmm. I got angry. Yeah. I, I, I kinda, I've never been in a fight in my life, Tony.
0: Okay.
1: Right. I'm 65 years of age and I was never in a physical fight with anyone. Mm-hmm. And it was the only time in my life I ever went for anyone. Yeah. So I would have assaulted him. Of course. And I was only a young kid at the time. Yeah. Now, what did I know? I didn't even understand the intricacies of politics. But what I knew he was saying to me didn't sit well with me yeah. when he just said, you're only a bunch of spud pickers.
0: Yeah. That's,
1: that's... I kind of went for his juggler, believe it yeah. or not. I,
0: and that's what I'm talking so, about.
1: So, now, there's another side of me that has only I've only expressed, and I'm the first person I've ever said this to publicly, but something clicked in me and I just said, how... Are you, he, you're, you're trying to insult me, are you? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you've managed, you managed. But I tell you, I'm not going to take it from you. Mm-hmm. And I just, oh, I yeah. won't tell you what happened. No, but
0: that's, no, but I, that's kind of what we're speaking about. And I was it. only a kid. No, sure. But that's in us. That's in yeah. the, the Irish DNA, I think.
1: And it's not, a, I'm not saying it's a completely, def, I'm not defensive. I'm not, I'm not insecure. Mm-hmm. But I just said, do you know something? There's no point in talking to you and that's an insult. Yeah. And I was probably at an age, my hormones were good enough. <laughs> yeah. And I just said, feck you.
0: Yeah, or maybe some. He got some hop, I'll tell you. I'd say so, and maybe a little bit stronger. Than <laughs> fe- <laughs> the Fettle Podcast with Tony Kelly is brought to you by Fettle.ie. Fettle is an Irish-owned and operated online therapy platform. From the comfort of your own home, you can schedule online video counselling sessions with accredited Irish therapists in an affordable way. Fettle.ie is therapy on your terms. If you're interested in trying Fettle whether you're struggling right now or want to continue to flourish, you can use this code FETTLEPOD that's F-E-T-T-L-E-P-O-D to get 20% off any of their services. Just go to FETTLE.ie today to start your healing journey. Yeah. i tell you now, we're enjoying, we're sitting here, we're having the tea, the, the homemade biscuits that I'm Girl, yeah, that, they're, they're, they're nice those, I love, They're absolutely gorgeous. T- talk to me then about, about the Banshees because you brought it up earlier. I want to come back around to it. Mm. It's... There's a like I didn't know, first of all when when we met last year to talk about the other project, uh, there was rumors that Martin McDonagh was after shooting a movie up in up in Ackle and all and people knew and Colin was in it and Brendan was in it and all yeah, that kind of yeah, stuff, yeah. and I didn't really know that you and Pat were being brought back together hmm. as a double act again, and I think. That's what a lot of people are talking about with this film in Ireland. Obviously, everyone else is talking about nine Oscar nominations and Martin yeah, done, yeah. done it again, and Brendan and Colin have done it again. But there's a there's a there's a lot of people within this country who are focused on the fact that John and Pat are yeah. together in it.
1: So we went up to do a reading in Galway anyway. It was very funny, funny, and so we sat around. Which look, I mean, this is the thing, Tony. Like you, you work. You know, sometimes somebody hands you a bit of a script and they say, "Go on and do that." In the middle of could be a major feature film. It could be a small, but it doesn't matter. What, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Just no, just do. You know that's. You can, I don't know why you're doing. Why am I? I'm not saying I'm looking for motivation, but what the hell's going on here at all? You know. Yeah. But anyway, we've been there. Done loads of those bits and pieces in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> turning up here and there. But to sit down and to be able to read a script through with a full cast and a director for a couple of days. Do you know what I mean? That that's the pleasure. Of that is just. I mean, for a performer, for an actor, it's fantastic. Yeah. For everyone to get together. Sure. But I think Martin McDonough brings that anyway. He brings that theatrical thing into the film thing, you know. Yeah. But (laughs) we're sitting around the table. And you see, you could be reading it on your own, it's all right. But it's suddenly when we read it around the table and we start bouncing. And the very minute we we read our first few lines together, there was a pause. And I kind of looked up and I said, Martin, I said, do we have a bit of a double act going on here? I yeah. And everyone started to laugh. Yeah, because I think myself and Pat we were probably the last people to realise it. Yeah, but just just the rhythm of the thing, the way it was working, the way he'd written it. Yeah, and he was just and he just kind of looked, nodded the head, and yeah, we have. And sure, well, your sure look at? So hot. Wasn't yeah. it great to be to be doing it, to be part of his project? My God, I mean, if anyone to ask us to come back together.
0: Yeah, and how did that come be, about? A, an email. Right.
1: I mean, I don't have an agent, so. I <laughs> and, and then I got this email from Martin McDonough saying, great theatre on board. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, I mean. I mean come on. So that's, but like, I. I Do you know what I mean? Like, I know. I mean, and that's look, so. I, I, I brought up the thing earlier on about like influencing, what, what an influence you guys had, but there's Martin McDonough who had you guys in mind for these two roles. Maybe. So obviously, yeah, so yeah. obviously there's an influence in Martin McDonough that, you know, saw you guys doing what you did and, 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 you know, well, we did the Lonesome West, we do it together, I, yeah, you know, and I suppose he had seen us at that, like, and,
1: you know, and I often wonder at that too, did I make a mess of it? Because I know I played Valine, maybe too emotional, maybe, there's no emotion in really. Look, but then again, you're given the part and you do it, and you interpret it your way, you know, I know I'm not saying, I, I often think that I do it the wrong way, you know, because you often, I sit back and I read the scripts again, because it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I used to learn, I know every word of this. So why should I let it go out of my mind? Yeah. When it took me so long to learn it. <laughs> cuz I never did I never did much poetry in school and cuz I was dyslexic and I couldn't read. Yeah. So I mean I used to get fucking whacked for spelling missing and I hated English and I hated Irish everything was through the book and and now I can't go to bed any night <laughs> I have to read a book. It, that was that's as good as anything that happens to you in life I think for me. Yeah. Is right the you know, you have to learn the whole script. But by God, when you learn it, you've been given something. Yeah. You really have been. I think it is like that with most things that you get that, you know, if you want to do them right. You kind. I know I said to you even on the project, I know it was that. But I wasn't happy with the scene anyway. My, this is like, the hurling you're talking about. Yeah, right? yeah. I wasn't happy with one scene in it probably wasn't great after the session either. That was, I was going to say <laughs> that was the day after the wasn't session. It wasn't my best. Uh, I must say I'm a great performer but I'm going to give myself a bit more
0: sh- sh- uh, slack on that one. No, but, but just for the audience. right? No, that, but it's true though. No, but like You do feel these things. Of course, know? but I, me on the other side of it mm. number one is the actor you were acting to number two is the director mm. from what I was looking for. They're in that scene, and hopefully, people will get to see it very soon. Mm. Th- that exasperation that you were feeling, yeah, it, you've seen it now, adds to that scene, yeah, because it, you know, we look, listen, I'm not under any illusions. It's a comedy, it's you know, it's mockumentary, but still, the performances have to be there, yeah, uh, yeah. You, you are coming in at a be
1: honest about it, you know, yeah,
0: of course, sure, but you're, you're that scene you're speaking about is one of the more serious parts of, of the movie because obviously I have to tell a story as well. Yeah. As make jokes but like you were a bit seedy after the few scoops. I was, yes. You were a little bit going oh I don't know about this house yeah, that I we're in. Yeah, I was questioning everything right? it really was, I know. But it's there when you see it now in the yeah. performance and mm-hmm. I've, so, I've shown it to you and the way it was mm-hmm. shot and the way we yeah. framed it. You know, I, I I hope you're happy with it now. After oh, no, the Parks,
1: now. I thought the first one, I, I was talking about the first take in the house. Oh, I am talking I, about I, that. Oh, but, yeah. But I'm really happy with the second, you know. Yeah. We, well, you see, that's the great thing too, you see, which is a brilliant about an independent filmmaker, right? Mm-hmm. Fair play to you. I mean, Jesus, how, how are you... Yeah, I know. Well if we had to pull that off anyway, we'll tell your listeners just see how easy it is even to make the lowest budget movie you can. And I tell you, there's no such thing as a low budget Philip. Yeah. No matter how you try to make it. But anyway, you did. It's um you know, and to be to say, like, yeah, we'll go back, let's let's do it again. Let's let's and bring in the crew and do it again. That was brilliant. Even for me.
0: Yeah. Because, you know yeah, well look it had to be, look it had to be as good as it can be. And yeah. It,
1: and yeah. hopefully it is, but Uh, Yeah, but it's all special. I mean, even for me looking at your script, the thing is, you're talking about me and it's not a kind of um, licking arse now here. I would just say to you that your script is lived in, your script is lived through, your script is known about. It's not plucked out of the sky and say, oh, I'm going to write this because, yeah. You kind of know what's going on here. it's It's about water, it's about the blah, it's about the lads, it's about the family, it's about people, it's about community, it's about... It's funny, it's mad, it's quirky. It's racing with hormones and Gara's at fucking Egypt, and, and he's beautiful as well. He's flawed, he's flawed, he's yeah. flawed. And sure, look, that's, that's the beauty in him. There's a magic in that, like, you know, that is the essence of so much good theatre and film, isn't it? It's just saying, like, you know, we're not perfect. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, look, that's I'm, I'm I'm a bit embarrassed, but also no, very but flattered that we went off on that tangent. Well, anyway, but I'm going to pull you back around to right. to the to being on set with uh, from from being on set with me in Waterford. Go straight back around to being on set with Martin McDonagh and all the Oscar nominees. Oh well. Yeah. Uh, like you said, there was. It seemed like it was a good crack up there. You were having a session. It was in the middle of COVID. Yeah. You know, but you were, you know, as you said, like, there was a a good feeling. Oh, Uh, it was great energy, yeah. Yeah, and like, you've seen it now, obviously. I did, but I'm going back to see it again.
1: And I have to go back now to watch it, but it's probably gonna... I went to see it, and the night I went to see it, I think I was nearly... I just... yeah, I was a bit... I didn't go to the premiere. No. I was invited, but I I didn't go because... I think we were away and we just came back and we just... And I thought, like, do I have to dress up and go to Dublin? And, you know you know I'm not you know, Fair, I know you're not yeah uh, it's kind of and there's no disrespect to anyone but like uh, I kind of see it and I went to see it in the following week when it came out and yeah. I loved it I and I want to see it again and I see it on big screen hopefully or because yeah. um, I think the showing actually above that Friars get the theatre above here I think next this month sometime because I just thought I thought it be beautiful and I I have to say that for me you know the landscape and the setting of it was as much a character mm. of the play as the character. It was a, not as much. It was a character. It was. It was. It was a voice in the play, the same as other voices.
0: Yeah. You and know? I'm not here to to break down his masterpiece, Martin McDonough's masterpiece or anything, but yeah. a lot of people watched it mm. and see the gruesomeness. Yeah. You know. Whereas I saw it, and I remember talking to you right after I saw it, and we both kind of felt a little bit the same. It takes you back to being seven or eight years of age, and a little yeah. boy in the playground telling you that he doesn't want to be your friend Simple anymore. as that, yeah. And I'm getting a little bit emotional in saying that because no. obviously we've all been through something. Yeah, like yeah, that. I know very much. But that's how what that's how I felt when I watched yeah. it, and and yes, there's gruesome stuff in it. Yes, there's funny stuff in it. But it's just that poignancy and that little bit, that beautiful. And Colin Farrell's performance as that oh, is just beautiful. Oh, it just captures
1: it absolutely to me. Uh, I, I, I was four. My first encounter of that emotion that I can remember was when I was about maybe three and a half. Now, that's a long way back. But it was before my dad died. And so I was about three and a half or just about coming on to four. I remember being told by my siblings that they were going to take me. They were going to, it was coming up to St. Patrick's Day. I, all this is so vivid in my head. You have so many few memories. Now, but they went, they went away and I stood in the backyard of the, in, in, of the house and they'd gone without me. They'd gone and I was left there on my own and there was, there was no one there. Mm. And it suddenly dawned on me that they were gone and they hadn't taken me. Yeah. And I felt so sad just so sad mm. and McDonough it's a simple thing but what happens to Colin Farrell and that reminded me so much of that emotion that's what I and it, it hit me and it brought me back to when I was and I said this has happened every kid whether you were four or eight when your friends say to you no no you can't come and play with us yeah and now that sounds childish but by God that hurts
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what it is, and I'm I'm after getting a little bit emotional because I like I think that's in all of us. We've all experienced mm. it, and at the end of the day, it's not that what we all really are? Is just yeah. little, little grown up children going around the place? Yes. You know? And if we're not, we're carrying
1: we're carrying that emotions maybe still with us. I'm not a psychoanalyst. I'm not Freud, but I'm not saying. But you know, th- there is that simple thing. You know that things are not complicated. No, you can overcomplicate and analyze it, and you can theorize, but that is an awful human, simple emotion. That's a, something that happens to you as a, and that that's what happens in that film. Yeah, between two adults. Yeah, but adults do this shit to one another too. Well, we know that. So, like, yeah. uh, have we grown up?
0: <laughs> I don't think any of us have. But look, listen, John, I don't want to keep you much longer, right? All I'm going to say is, look, please, God. You're just, you just saying,
1: I to get out of this room no, quick, I don't.
0: then, boy, he's bored, me. I, no, I just to want, this, want, to, I want to buy the kettle again and have more of Margie's biscuits. All right. What I will say is, hopefully, look, in a couple of weeks' time, there'll be a few shiny little ties coming home from America with the lads. That'll be great. Uh, and I just want to leave it by saying this because I want it on public record as well. It's an absolute honour I've gotten to know you obviously, but for you to have taken a chance on me and to work with me. No, no, I mean this. And I wanted I wanted to be on public record as well. For you to have taken a chance on me, my agent Lorraine just reached out to you on my script and I wanted you to do it and you did it and you trusted me. I don't think I'll ever really the little boy in me will never really get over. <laughs> no, seriously, will <laughs> never thank really you, get over that you. you've done You'll that. You make me, me
1: feel very old now and seeing you here. No, it's not at all. And I am not. Um, Your work is brilliant, you're, you're a fucking talented genius like well, you're no, script I, I, is beautiful thank beautiful. you so
0: much and um, so. honestly it's, it's been an honour obviously working with you but it's even more of an honour to call you a friend now. so all thank right. you so much thanks Tony. thank you well that was it that was me and John Kenny I hope you all enjoyed it I hope you got something for, uh, from it John I, I, I think is a hugely inspiring man um, in everything that he does his energy just everything about him is just so inspiring to me I hope you guys enjoyed it uh, it's another episode of the Fettle Podcast in the can and out into the ether of the public. Um, I just want to, you know, last two weeks ago on the podcast, I finished it by paying tribute to my cousin David, who had passed away uh, the day of recording. And as I sit here now, uh, recording uh, the outro to the podcast, uh, I sit here in my funeral suit. It is funeral this weekend. Um, it's been a, it's been a tough time for my family. You know, my my aunt Granya my, and my cousin Zoe in particular. And, um, I know I did mark the last podcast by ending it with, with, with just a few words for him. And I just want to do the same thing again. Um, I just want to, you know, just pay tribute to David, you know, um, it's been two long weeks waiting for him to come home, um, from Indonesia where he'd been living with his wife, Debbie. And, um, yeah, I'm sitting here in, in my funeral suit about to go back into the funeral, but this, you know, I, this is, this is work for me and, and obviously I love it and, and, uh, you know, every second Sunday, this podcast comes out and and that's how it has to be. So it it has to be done. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to really just dedicate this episode to David properly. Um, he was loved. He is loved. He is missed and he will be missed. Um, another podcast coming out in two weeks and I might surprise you guys with a bonus episode in between. That's all I'm going to say. Listen, mind yourselves, whatever you're doing, wherever you're listening to this, hope you're having a good day. I'll see you soon. It's the Fettle Podcast with Tony Kelly. The Fettle Podcast with Tony Kelly is brought to you by Fettle.ie. Fettle is an Irish-owned and operated online therapy platform. From the comfort of your own home, you can schedule online video counselling sessions with accredited Irish therapists in an affordable way. Fettle.ie is therapy on your terms. If you're interested in trying Fettle, whether you're struggling right now or want to continue to flourish. You can use this code, FETTLEPOD, that's F-E-T-T-L-E-P-O-D, to get 20% off any of their services. Just go to FETTLE.ie today to start your healing journey. The FETTLE Podcast with Tony Kelly is presented and edited by Tony Kelly, produced by Lovely Hurling Productions, sponsored by FETTLE.ie, and with music provided by Dave Giordano.